0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Good Friday morning. Happy Friday and welcome to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield and glad that you're with us. Well, CPAC is kicking off. It's underway. And joining me to discuss what's happening with the conservative movement and much more is Bruce Lavelle. He's been a longtime advisor to former President Trump. Hey there, Bruce. Good morning.
2: Hey, Carrie, happy Friday. Still te- still battling the former President Trump. Okay, I'm going to say President Trump.
1: <laughs> Once a president, always a president. <laughs> I, I got to get some
2: therapy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll talk through it. Let, let me get my Oprah couch here for you. Um, so let's talk about first some breaking news that just happened late last night, and that was a blow for the Democrats. The Senate parliamentarian ruled that the $15 per hour minimum wage hike in the relief bill, the COVID relief, the $1.9 trillion bill is unacceptable under the rules. Now, Democrats were seeking to pass the bill using reconciliation, which would give them the ability to avoid the 60 vote filibuster. And then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that she was disappointed by the ruling, but she said that the minimum wage provision will stay in the House bill and is expected to approve that on Friday. So this is setting up for a clash between the Senate and the House. But first of all, how do you think the Democrats are going to spin this?
2: Well, first of all, being a 27-year business owner here in Atlanta, um, you know, uh, I have a lot of skin in the game. Employees I have many, many colleagues that have, will emphatically tell you out of the 30.6 million of us small businesses carry that we really would love to govern our wages for our employees and not the government. And I'm so, I don't, this is such a travesty to our nation to even have this conversation going on because what it will do to our workforce, what I do to our high school kids that want jobs, college kids, you know, the, the list goes on. And we saw the travesty in Seattle, what happened when they imposed that you know uh, your cost of goods go up you know you cut your employees out it's just t- such a disaster i don't know why and well i do know why carrie because when you elect uh politicos and bureaucrats in dc they make those type of decisions when you elect people like donald trump people like us many of us who are business owners who go serve and we understand balance sheets we understand the ramifications if you impose government overreach and regulations over a small business or any business and how detrimental that could be. So, you know, Pushing back again, I wish they would just stop that and let the the people decide what the wage should be for their employees in this nation.
1: Well, a lot of people argue that the states should decide because the cost of living where you are in Atlanta and Georgia compared to Mississippi or Utah or Missouri, where I'm from, very different from New York or Los Angeles. So $15 goes a very different direction depending on where you are. But the Democrats, Ilhan Omar, the congresswoman, says that she wants to abolish the filibuster. She put out a Statement on Twitter, she says she wants to replace the parliamentarian. She said, "What's a Democratic majority if we can't pass our priority bills? This is unacceptable." And she says, basically, replace and fire the parliamentarian because she gave she gave a ruling we don't like. However, Republicans did the exact same thing in 2000. They had a dispute with the parliamentarian also, but they they fired him. So. Do you think the republicans will be hypocritical if they try to push back on ilhan omar and other democrats
2: yeah well you know listen we the swamp is a swamp carrie but listen omar you know it's interesting about her for example especially where she's come from in in terms of her tenure in congress you know coming from a, a very impoverished country and how she wants to impose the socialist ideas on our great nation you know, um, you know, it's it's interesting to see her uh, making these particular calls based on her, as I say, tenure as she's been. Mm. there, I don't think she's had anything right. passed, let alone anyone taking her serious. Hey, Bruce, stay so, with um,
1: us. Stay with us, Bruce, uh, because we're going to go live right now to the floor of CPAC. We're going to come back to you, Bruce. But right now we have Dan Schneider, the executive director of CPAC with us from the floor there in Florida what is going to happen at CPAC? What can we expect? I mean, a lot of people are basically saying, oh, we are thrilled about the fact that former President Trump is going to be speaking. He's speaking on Sunday. We've heard also that there is some disputes happening within the party, within the Republican or conservative movement, that there's a wing, the the Liz Cheney type of the wing, who says that, no, CPAC, you should not be inviting president trump here because we need to move past this he lost and we need to move past this we need to have uh, a party that is different uh from the past and then you're having the other side of things where um you know republicans who say trump is the future of the party and it looks like we're having some audio problems so i'm going to throw that question to you bruce and then we'll bring dan back hopefully when we get the audio fixed but bruce uh what do you say to these, uh, you know, Liz Cheney Republicans? I mean, h- how would you recommend healing the fracture, or do you do you think that she should be driven out of the party?
2: Okay, watch this. I'm gonna say this quote: Donald J. Trump, number one, is the leader of the GOP, the Republican Party, right now as it stands. Number one, period. Number two, any candidate, anyone that wants to run or wants to embrace a public office in the future, especially in Congress and Senate, and even across it, a city council seat, carry or a state house seat, has to embrace the America First agenda. If they do not possess the America First agenda, which is what President Trump implemented in the last four years, and we've proven the successes, we can go down the list on the accomplishments, it'll take hours and hours to go down the list respectfully, but this is the particular agenda that they need to embrace. Now, the problem is, Carrie, many years that a lot of these, uh, quote, uh, political folks and so elected officials, their seats were birthed through the establishment pay to play consultants. And they're particular. And you watched the president early on in, when he ran in 15 about how these uh, special interests and uh, politicos, they pull together and find someone and elevate them and say, you should run, you should run, so they could have some level of control. And unfortunately, that's a large majority of our elected officials. So I wouldn't expect some of the folks like Cheney and all the other folks to understand what this particular movement really is. And I think they thought, well, he's gone now. So now we can go back to business as usual. No, listen, all of the folks that got elected, especially November 4th in Congress that ran on the America first agenda. We have my good friend Donald's down in Florida, Burgess Owens in Utah, Gomer over in Colorado. My, uh, my gangster lean, Marjorie Greene over here in Georgia, and many more, whether you like them or dislike them, they have continued to carry the America First agenda, even while now they're in office. You can watch their tweets and watch them still carrying that mantle. So I encourage, especially, listen, I'm a former chairman here in Georgia, 12 years ago, GOP chair. Mm-hmm. You have to embrace this America First movement All right. or it will not be successful.
1: We're going to keep an eye on this. And interesting to see Mitch McConnell said he would support Trump in 2024. All right, we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
3: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe, it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient, comfortable. Ah.
1: Hey there, good morning, and welcome back here to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield, and glad that you are with us. Well, we are covering CPAC today. We're going to have people live from the ground there in CPAC, but joining me again is Bruce Lavelle here. Uh, on Just the News, AM. Hey, Bruce. What's interesting is that the uh, the big scuttlebutt right now is that this is really Ron DeSantis's moment to shine because this is showcasing mm-hmm. Florida. I had the CPAC uh, executive er, um, uh, president chairman, uh, you know, match slap on the program last week, and he said we chose Florida because Georgia failed and lots of other states failed. They didn't want to reward Virginia. They said we wanted to reward Florida because of what happened and, and the way that they've been able to stay open, which is very interesting. Do you think that if Trump decides not to run in 2024, that it's going to go to DeSantis?
2: Yeah, listen, uh, just, I love Ron. Ron's, Ron's the real OG, Kerry. Let me tell you, man, he, listen, how can I drink my beer with a mask on? You know, remember the Super Bowl, listen, Ron's done a fabulous job. You know, my other residence is right there in St. Pete also. So I'm a I'm a half Floridian, Georgian, also, you know, and I love the way he governed his state. I love the way he took charge. You know, he didn't panic. He looked at the, as I say, the battlefield, and he made a plan. And he, and he was a leader, Kerry. And so that's all we were asking for. So, uh, yes, his his stock is very, very high. He understands America first. He understands the American business owner. He understands how detrimental high regulations and high taxes can destroy a business. He understands everything that relates to we made in America by America. All right. Hey, Bruce, um, i got to stop you right
1: there because I think we've got Dan Schneider on. Uh, Bruce, thanks. uh, Be on standby. Dan Schneider, executive director for CPAC. Hey there, Dan. Can you hear me now?
3: I can hear you.
1: Thank you. So, Dan, walk us through, set the stage. What can we expect for CPAC?
0: We've got uh, an amazing agenda, we've got, uh, the, we're going to feature the Bill of Rights. Uh, right now we've got Ron DeSantis wrapping up, and then we're going to go straight to Senator Mike Lee who's going to give an overview of the Bill of Rights, and throughout the conference we're going to address each one of the ten amendments um, that comprise the Bill of Rights. We're going to do it in a very sophisticated way, because the radical left has decided they don't like our Constitution they don't like
3: how we are guaranteed. Okay, Dan, I'm
1: sorry. It sounds like your audio again is, is uh, cutting out. So we're going to fix it and come back to you. Um, but it, he was saying that the, it's all about the Bill of Rights. And what's interesting, and I want to ask him about this if we get him back, but I just want to get your thoughts on this, Bruce, while we have you. Um, the, the name and the theme of CPAC is, uh, you know, America Uncancelled. But then CPAC decides that they wanted to cancel someone uh, from speaking—an African American conservative um, who said that who had said some things that were anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish—and the invitation was pulled. Walk us through the thinking on this. I mean, what's your what's your take on this?
2: Who was who this? I'm sorry, Carrie. Who was the?
1: Um, uh, let's double check his name. Um, I will have the producer send me the name. But he was uh, a young man, and he was canceled as a speaker. But basically, uh, it's, a, it's a careful line to walk, because the same thing yeah. happened in 2017, I believe, yeah. with Milo Yiannopoulos, where yeah. you know, it, it was discovered that he had said, said some things, uh, and yeah. his, his invitation was yanked as well. So this is yeah. a careful line, because conservatives yes. want to have freedom of speech, but there's a line that they say you got to draw. Uh, how do you think about this?
2: Well, listen. I love great question too. Govern ourselves accordingly. Listen. Two oh, and, types and sorry, of Bruce. Folks. His
1: name is Young Pharaoh. He's a hip hop okay. artist. Okay. That's, okay. Do you All know right. Young Pharaoh? Okay.
2: Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard of him. But but listen. This, this is how this works. Is I I've, I've been watching this in our new social media Twitter world, Carrie. With I call it the noise machines that we have, and they're they're new and improved and getting bigger and bigger. But listen, two types of folks: activists, statesmen. A lot of our young people are are anxious and they. They get out there and they beat that drum really hard, and they're you know excited, and they say things that they shouldn't say. However, that's why you know my mentees, a lot of we people we talk to in our conservative, especially being a black conservative my whole my whole life, is try to stay on path of not the noise, but pay attention to the numbers, the policies, the policies that are helpful for America is staying in line with that. When you get out there in the noise and and hit the hit the drum and do all kind of you know you get that type of fallout. And that's respectfully. That happens to a lot of folks out there that 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 lose their path and forget that our real mission is to come up with really good, strong Policies that is very helpful for America and especially uh in the last four years you saw right. the president. Well no, ancient.
1: I I think I think that under mercy that no one deserves to be defined by the worst moment in their lives. I think I think most yeah. Americans would agree with that. But also, yep. you know, have having discipline also is important too. So let's try this again. Dan Schneider, how are you doing? <laughs> Gary, I'm doing really well. I okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's happening. He looks good. Yeah, you look great. And, and he's got that logo behind you. Um, but yeah, I, it, it is certainly something that, uh, as far as redeemable, that people are redeemable. And I think yeah. that's a big concept that Hillary Clinton said that Trump supporters were, quote, irredeemable. And many, many people who are Christian, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, believe that that's actually false, because they believe that everyone is redeemable. It does take a process of repentance, acknowledging your sin, acknowledging what you did was wrong. But the fact that someone says, oh, you know, 70 million people are irredeemable Mm -hmm. is a very big problem for a lot of folks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty sad. But listen, at the end of the day, you know, Gary, we are, thank God, we're a Christian Judea nation. You know, we have a. Our, our faith-based communities are very strong, very vibrant. They are the nucleus, the backbone of our great nation. I still put a lot of emphasis on them because I'm part of one for my whole life, and I know how strong they are in our communities and how they impact our communities, our leaders, our business people, our elected officials. you know So I'm still optimistic in terms of, of, of that key component, which is what the heartland of who we are as our faith-based community. So you're absolutely right. People are uh, do make mistakes and you know when you're out here talking a lot sooner or later you, you slip up. <laughs>
1: so well like, that's oh, and that's man. what we said about even Rush Limbaugh. I mean even Rush Limbaugh yep. didn't agree with Rush Limbaugh 100% and he walked yep. some things back. But I want to ask you real fast, Mitch McConnell says that he would absolutely support Trump if he were the 2024 nominee and this is just a couple weeks after he excoriated Trump and what happened of January 6th. And part of this might be the fact that his popularity is not high. We did some polling here at Just the News. Scott Rasmussen, our pollster, he looked at the favorabilities as among registered voters, Chuck Schumer, mm. Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy. You can see that Mitch McConnell is the least popular and the mm. most unpopular of these three leaders. Mm. There's a lot of negatives here around Mitch McConnell. So do you think he actually has a, a ringing endorsement of Trump or is this more just for his own political skin?
2: Kerry, he's only a few points from Chuck Schumer. That's pretty sad. <laughs> but listen, he has no choice. You know, hey, you what? Wh- what are you gonna do? Where Where are you gonna go? So, um, I I hope he will. I want to believe that. Do I believe it? You know, Kerry, I don't know. I mean, I, I I hope and pray he will. But you know, it's it's I, I listen. We can only judge by one's actions. And we have we saw what happened with Leader McConnell, and many others, he's not the only one. And, and, and listen, it doesn't surprise me, I said this early in your segment, if you really don't wholeheartedly embrace the America First movement, which is what this is, it doesn't fit you. As they say in the church, it's time for you to go sit down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna leave it on that note. Thank you, Bruce Lavelle, Thanks, an American Brad. classic. All right, folks, we'll be right back, stay tuned. Hey there. Good morning and welcome back here to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield. Well, in 2020, President Trump won historic figures. He won historic inroads with black voters. And joining me to discuss what's next on this front is Paris Denard. He's with the Republican National Committee. Good morning, Paris.
4: Good morning, Carrie. Thank you for having me.
1: Good to have you. So there's a new funding that your organization has put out for Black community centers to continue the outreach. Tell us what this is.
4: Yes, yeah, so I am a spokesperson at the Republican National Committee and under the leadership of Ronna McDaniel, our chairwoman, she has made a decision in conjunction with uh, our members of the 168, which is our governing body, to make a $2 million uh, commitment this year to ensure that the Black Voices community centers that were opened last cycle during the presidential election year continue and are opened again so that our presence in the black community can be sustained, can be consistent and be year round. This is an important effort, it's a historic effort. It has never been done before. uh, And it is important to see the Republican National Committee, the GOP remain uh, engaged in black neighborhoods all across the country.
1: So when it comes to these centers, I guess this begs the question, why weren't they there before? Why did it take so long?
4: Well, it, it it's about having the the intentionality and being committed to opening up these centers. the uh, The bigger question is why didn't the Democrats have them for years on end? Uh, this was historic back in 2020 on both political aisles. Uh, there were there were interviews and people in in Michigan talked about they had never seen uh, uh, community centers of, or out things like this in their cities before, Republican or Democrat, and so. We are leading, and it is important for us to do better, and that's what we're doing. It's, 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 it's something that is important to the chairwoman. It was important to President Trump, and it's going to continue to be important to the growth and the diversification of our party, which is a good thing.
1: So we've heard from a lot of Black Democrats, people like Stacey Abrams, for example, say that Republicans want to suppress the Black turnout. They want to suppress Black voters. Do you think this initiative, what you're doing, really pushes back against that?
4: Well, that was a false narrative back then. It's a false narrative now. Uh, Back in 2020, the Republican National Committee, working with the campaign uh, for President Trump, engaged in Black voter registration day. We were registering Black voters. We were using our Black uh, Voices community centers to engage and to get out the vote and to encourage people to vote, register voters, phone bank, and all of the things that are necessary to get and increase Black engagement across the country, Georgia, Florida, Wisconsin, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, all over the nation. We were doing this effort, and it's going to continue. And so when they use this false narrative, it's to uh, persuade people in a negative way not to be a part of the Republican Party, because they know that the party is of freedom, it's the party of opportunity, it's a party of growth, it's a party of inclusion, and they do not want more and more Uh, free-thinking, independent Black Americans to come over to the Republican Party, because that means they're going to lose their stronghold on not only the Black vote, but the minority vote altogether. We are making these uh, commitments right now for the Black Voices Community Centers. But remember, uh, the president, President Trump, expanded the party across the board. And so our numbers were improving and did better uh, than he did in 2016 with Hispanics and with Asian Americans, with black Americans as well. So these are good uh, trend lines for the Republican Party. It's going up and we're going to continue that effort to increase it uh, going forward under the leadership of Ron McDaniel.
1: But do you think what happened with Trump and his success with, as you said, not only black voters, but Latino voters and Asian voters, do you think it had to do more with Trump the man or are they here to stay? Are they part of the movement? Are they part of the belief system, the set of values
4: well, I will tell you, it Trump, the man, was an important factor. A lot of people came to our party because of him, and that is a very good thing. But it wasn't just him alone. What it was was the policies— President Trump led as a conservative, a conservative who was fighting for free enterprise, opportunity zones, criminal justice reform, support for school choice, the uh, being pro-life. This was a, a candidate and a president who was a conservative and showed the world that free enterprise, the conservative values and principles can be popular, can be uh, electable. Uh, And so the members of Congress that you saw, come all the women that came into Congress that were Republican, and we have two Black Americans who came. We had some Asian Americans who were elected uh, to Congress on the Republican side who were supportive of the president because of the issues, the, the principles, the policies, the values that conservatives have. So yes, it was partly because of President Trump demand, but it's also because of President Trump's America First policies, which were aligned with the Republican Party that we see today.
1: Mm, that's very interesting. And how about just moving forward? So you've got these centers. What else do you want the Republican Party to do to make stronger ties with Black voters?
4: Well, you know, we just, uh, the, the Black History Month, we're still in Black History Month. Today is the last uh, workday uh, for Black History Month. We know it ends at the end of February. And so we made the Republican National Committee a six-figure investment uh, in advertising and Black newspapers across the country, uh, f- half-page, full-color ads talking about Black Republican leaders. We just held our uh, annual Trailblazers event where we honored uh, uh, Dr. Benjamin, uh, Dr. Uh, ben Carson, as well as Jerome Adams, our former A Surgeon General and and our rising stars who are the Black engagement coordinators. So it's being present. We have to be present in the community. We have to show up to events. We have to show up and we have to be willing to talk on all different platforms, talk with all different types of people, sharing our message, not be afraid to engage because we have winning policies. We have uh, policies that work, that empower and that uplift and highlight the contrast that we see between this administration right now, which is actually hurting uh, a lot of fragile communities and black Americans across the country and what we know President Trump did and what we know the Republican Party moving forward can and will do.
1: And what do you say in response to people who say, hey, the Barry Goldwater approach to race should be colorblind, that we shouldn't be talking about race, it should re- really be uh, un- unified America, that we shouldn't be about hyphenated America, it shouldn't be so much focused on race. You're doing black outreach. How do you respond to conservatives who are coming at it from that vantage point?
4: I think that we have to talk about look even even if you are a conservative we have evangelicals We have uh, people who care about different issues. It's about the issues. And what we should be doing is taking these issues and applying it to different groups so they have a better understanding of how it applies to them. There's nothing wrong by taking the Republican message and taking it to evangelicals. There's nothing wrong with taking the conservative message and seeing how it applies to people who are in the pro-life movement. There's nothing wrong with taking the conservative message and seeing how it applies to people who are concerned about education issues. And so that is what we're doing. We're taking these issues and, and di- making them digestible to different groups so they understand how it applies to them. If you don't understand or, or have a, a connection or a feeling to any political party, if you don't think that they're working for them or, or working for you or talking about the issues that you care about, you will not have an affinity towards them. And so that is what the Republican Party is doing with all groups, women, with with people who are concerned about different issues within the party that may not be just particularly concerning with the Black community or Hispanic issues. These are issues that should be digestible and applied to everyone so they feel like they have a home and they feel like their issues that they care about are being heard and activated and acted upon uh, across the country in the state houses all the way up to the Congress. I would
1: imagine, too. It just comes down to basic math. You want to get over the finish line at the end of the day. All right, Paris Tenard, thanks so much. RNC spokesman, we appreciate it. Thank you. And stay tuned. We've got Angela Morabito. She's with the Higher Education Campus Reform. uh, Talking about student debt, Joe Biden wants to basically wave his magic wand and say, no more debt. Is this fair or not? We're in a debate.
4: Stay tuned.
1: Hey, good morning, and welcome back to Just the News AM. I'm Carrie Sheffield, and glad you're with us. Well, let's talk about student debt. This is a big issue that Joe Biden was asked about at a recent town hall with CNN, and he said that, no, he is not open to basically waving a magic wand and getting rid of $50,000 of student debt. But he said he's open to relieving $10,000 of student debt. Well, it turns out Americans don't want $50,000 of debt. And so Biden might have been reading these polls, these tea leaves. Uh, Business Insider found that just 13% of Americans say they support forgiving $50,000 in federal student loans. Meanwhile, just 19% they support said they support forgiving $10,000 in loans, and 25% said they are behind forgiving all student loans, and 22% said they don't support any amount of student loan forgiveness. Joining me to discuss this is Angela Morbito. She's a higher education fellow and spokeswoman for Campus Reform, which is part of the Leadership Institute. She's also the former press secretary. Secretary for the U.S. Department of Education under the Trump administration. Good morning.
5: Good morning, Carrie. Thank you for having me.
1: Good to have you. So let's talk about this, because it really seems like, contrary to what we hear from Democrats, most Americans don't support this idea of waving that magic wand and getting rid of the debt. Why is that?
5: Well, it's patently unfair and absurd on its face to say we're going to forgive some arbitrary number of student debt and you know democrats have done an an amazing job of calling this student debt forgiveness right that's how we all know this issue now but it's not forgiving the loans the colleges and universities already got paid what it does is it nationalizes the loan and it forces people who perhaps didn't go to college or perhaps made the decision to go in-state or to seek out scholarships or change what they study based in part on how well they would be able to meet their future financial obligations. So you're telling me
1: that people think it's not fair that if they didn't go to college, which uh, only a minority of people actually graduate from college, I think it's only like 25 or a third of Americans actually end up graduating. So are we going to have a lot of people who don't go to college
5: basically paying to subsidize those who do? Right, this is going to be a massive transfer of wealth from the bottom end of the earning spectrum to the top of the earning spectrum. Uh, Very few people recognize that most student debt is actually held from graduate level studies. So you're talking about people who may be statistically the lowest earners who did not finish college, may not have ever attended from folks to to folks who are statistically the highest earners. Think about who needs the most grad school. It's doctors, it's attorneys, it's professional jobs that, yes, require a hefty investment, but it yields those great returns and income down the road.
1: Mm, Interesting. Well, and Democrats are pushing back on what Biden said. They're not very, uh, you know, they're angry about this. And some of them said, hey, his suggestions are offensive, they say. So Biden said, why don't you move in with your parents? Why don't you get your parents to help you? Why don't you sell your house to pay the debt? Why don't you do other things? Uh, And he said this money should be used on early childhood education for children. That's a better money use, he says, than Adults who've made this choice to go to college, do you agree that it's better for early childhood
5: education? Absolutely, you know, where we invest our federal education dollars is so critically important. And students go into to college with their eyes wide open. At the Leadership Institute's campus reform, we talk to students all the time who say, you know, I could have gone to an Ivy League school, but I made the call to stay in state or to go somewhere where they had a hefty scholarship. These kids know exactly what the math looks like, uh, and those resources are all available online. There's essentially no excuse for saying that the debt is a surprise. And Democrats know that this is a political poison pill. That's why you see this going between Biden saying, well, I won't forgive this much. And Democrats like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi saying, well, yes, you should. They say they want it done, but everyone's trying to keep their hands clean because they know that the voters recognize that this is unfair. Mm, Interesting. Well,
1: and another issue that you guys have highlighted there at Campus Reform is the possibility that some states are considering allowing illegal immigrants to pay cheaper tuition than American citizens. Walk us through the thinking about this.
5: Sure. So 18 states already allow students who are not legal citizens to access in-state tuition, and Georgia and Arizona are considering joining them in the coming days. Uh, now, Now, this is is controversial how it's done at the state level, because here's a benefit that's being extended to non-citizens, people who are not lawfully present in the United States that American citizens from the next state over aren't able to access. So you're privileging a certain group of people who are not lawfully present over those who have been there their whole lives and whose families have been paying into the system their whole lives. So basically that you're saying
1: this would reward people who are here illegally?
5: Absolutely. And the state of Virginia is considering taking this even farther, and they already offer uh, in-state tuition to illegal immigrants. But a bill that's headed to Governor Northam's desk would allow them to access state and school-level financial aid. So, The difference between in-state and out-of-state tuition is about $14,000 a year. So this is a massive discount that's going to people who are not American citizens. And why do you think that's unfair? Because the the thinking behind in-state tuition is that states Take your tax dollars. 90% of education funding is collected at the state level. They use those tax dollars to subsidize public universities and those public universities give their in-state students first priority uh, because their families have paid into the system and it shores up the state's future workforce, their future base of taxpayers. Now, That's set aside for a very specific group of people and for a valid reason that states have decided to do this. Uh, Expanding it arbitrarily to a group of people that didn't pay into the system, that probably won't be able to legally get jobs after college. It's just totally unfair.
1: All right, Angela Norvito, we appreciate it. And stay tuned. We'll be right back with more about CPAC.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Hey there, good morning. Welcome back to Just the News AM. I'm Carrie Sheffield, and glad you're with us. Well, I love viewer feedback. I put a question out on Twitter each day. Here's what you had to say. So yesterday I said, Earmarks are pet projects for members of Congress. Should they be banned? Ms. Step says in response, These projects do not help America. They help the politicians get more corrupt money to themselves in their pockets' favors. JCI is all. JC is all says, Totally predictable, is it not? I think a lot of people would agree with you, JC, is all. Richard Crampton says, strip out all the pork from the COVID relief bill, and it would pass with unanimous support today. It's a very interesting theory, Richard. I wish we could test it, but sadly, we live in the real world. But thanks for that food for thought. All right, joining me from the ground in CPAC in Orlando is Amanda Head, a correspondent with Real America's Voice. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Carrie. So set the scene. What's it like there? What has happened so far? So I will tell
6: you, they do have COVID screenings. You have to fill out a form either online or in person. It asks you all of those standard COVID questions about your temperature, coming into contact with certain people. They check your temperature when you come in the door, and I wish I had my badge, I'd show you. They give you a different color dot every day to signify that you passed that temperature check. Um, It's starting to fill in quite a bit. Yesterday, we already had people who were shuffling in, trying to uh, get a jump on the lines for registration, but typically, Even though this is technically day two, uh, people were already gathering yesterday. This morning, Ron DeSantis kicked things off, of course, the governor of this wonderful free state. But I will tell you. They're requiring masks in this entire complex because we are in Orange County and the mayor of Orange County, Val Demings, a Democrat, Uh, even when Ron DeSantis lifted that statewide mask mandate, he kept it in place for his uh, county. So that is still required here at the convention center. For me, coming from California, I was really hoping for a few maskless days in Florida, but alas, that doesn't seem to
1: be what's going to happen. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why they chose a county that had it but I guess the big question is do any of the big cities have any uh, you know ability to go without a mask or are all the big counties with this? Well,
6: uh, as you know, Dr. Gina Loudon, Miranda Khan, a lot of our folks are down there in West Palm Beach, and it's pretty free down there in South Florida. So I think it's just little pockets of places across the state, depending, depending on the city leadership. Uh, but South Florida, I was kind of hoping that this convention would be held down in Miami or West Palm Beach because those folks are
1: living free. Mm. So what about the speakers? Who have you met? Who are people excited to hear from? We are going to have a
6: lot of the folks who are speaking today here at our booth later. As I as I said earlier, uh, Ron DeSantis kicked things off. I think Mike Lee is either speaking right now or is going to speak. There are tons of speakers, so I'm just going to kind of give you some of the highlights uh, who I'm looking forward to. Scott Walker, James Langford, Pam Bondi, former Attorney General of the state of Florida, Ted Cruz, my dear friend, Deroy Murdoch, uh, Hans von Spakovsky, who we've had on this network many times, Tom Cotton, Jason Chaffetz, Matt Gates. probably. Florida, Charlie Kirk, and Bernie Carrick, who is a regular on War Room, also on this network. So we're going to bring a lot of those folks
1: to you as much as we can. Sure. What's the buzz about Ron DeSantis? We were talking about this earlier in the show. Do you think that if former President Trump decides not to run in 2024, would he be the man who would get the mantle from Trump?
6: Oh, I don't know. You know, he has indicated that that's not something that he's interested in, although he has given a very political answer when asked about it. He said, I'm focused on taking care of my state of Florida. So that's not really a yes or no answer, but he hasn't indicated really one way or the other. But I think that if President Trump did not run again in 2024, I think that Ron DeSantis, even though, you know, he represents Florida at the time, a lot of conservatives across America, a lot of America First conservatives, MAGA conservatives, are really proud of what he's doing in the state of Florida. And they see Florida as kind of this beacon of hope, this light on the hill within, you know, our 50 great states. And I think he would have a lot of support.
1: Mm. and we know that former president trump is speaking on sunday what do you expect he's going to say what do you think people want him to say
6: oh, i think people want him to say that he's going to run again in 2024 that's definitely what they're hoping to hear although i don't think we can really expect that it's very very early <clears throat> excuse me in the election cycle we've got virtually you know four years until well three and a half years until then so um, I think that's what people are hoping to hear I think that President Trump is going to fire people up Uh, CPAC sold out when they announced that Donald Trump was going to be speaking on Sunday and I think that attendance otherwise was probably waning a little bit because this is a new venue we are used to CPAC being at Gaylord in Washington, or well, in Maryland, technically. Um, that's where it's been, what, five, six years. And uh, this was a new venue. It's a slightly smaller venue, so they couldn't allow as many people. But as soon as Donald Trump announced that he was going to be speaking here, it sold out because he is definitely the person who people most want to hear from.
1: Mm, that's very interesting. And I noted in the timing, he's speaking right after the straw poll. So they do the straw poll on Sunday to make sure people can see who's got the poll. Uh, It's a straw poll of who they want to run, and he's speaking right after. So my thinking is, and also the guy who's running the poll is John McLaughlin, who's been Trump's pollster for his campaign. What do you think the results are Mm going to be? I think
6: we know what the results are going to be, and President Trump will probably discuss those results. He likes to talk about those poll numbers as he did uh, when he was in the Oval Office, and I think that folks are definitely going to vote number one for him. I can't actually locate the straw poll, though, so I've got to go find it and and cast my own vote, and he's definitely going to be touting those numbers when he gets up there on stage. And if he announces that he's going to be running, I think that would be pretty remarkable, but I think he's just going to kind of tease the audience a little, as he also likes to do sometimes.
1: showman at the end of the day indeed he is he's got that background (laughs) who are you voting for amanda i i don't want to say that on air i'm a (laughs) media person right come on you know i had to ask (laughs) all right amanda i'm gonna let you go all right stay tuned we'll be right back
3: (sighs) the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to Carvana.
1: Hey there, good morning and welcome back to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield and I am going to be signing off today. This is my last morning in this anchor chair for this program for Just the News AM. My colleague, my very capable colleague, Sophie Mann, is going to be sitting in this chair driving the car. Uh, It's just been an honor and a pleasure hosting this program. I am moving on because I am excited for some new projects, which I will be discussing on Twitter. You can follow me at Twitter, at Carrie Sheffield. Uh, I hope to connect with you on that platform. Also, I'm going to be on Parler and anywhere where you get your news, where you get what's happening, the latest Pulse. Uh, I'm excited to be there. And I'm excited for what is next for Just the News. Our founder, John Solomon, is a true visionary. I first worked for him way back in 2008 at the Washington Times, and I said then, I want to work for this guy. I was working at the time, I had been hired by Tony Blankley in another division, and I moved over to work for John Solomon. because i saw what he was going to innovate and i saw what he was doing so i am so thrilled and i'm excited to see what's going to be happening next here for just the news and i want to give a big thank you to the whole team here our producers dan suskin who's been the lead uh you know heavy lifter here on this program every morning parker in the control room fry the whole gang everybody this is a team effort it's a lot of work to put on a show it's a lot of work to build a startup as well and wow uh, just, It's been incredible to see what's been happening in this past year uh, and excited to continue to grow with you all, our audience, with Real America's Voice as well in this partnership. All right, that's me signing off. Take care.